Okay, today on Music City Origins, I have Sam Rimbolt. She is the founder of Fancy Sips. And uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about your business. Um, what is what is Fancy Sips? Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, Fancy Sips is a creative cocktail studio, which uh, is sort of like bartending in reverse. So we teach people how to make their favorite cocktails through mixology classes. So we give people recipes and uh, the ingredients and the techniques to make their favorite cocktails. Nice. Uh, and the first question that I always ask uh, people on the show is, what? where did you come from? What mm. uh, Start us back, uh, you know, four score and a year ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> where did you come from? Long time ago. Uh, so I grew up in the Chicago suburbs in uh, about 45 minutes west of Chicago. And I went to uh, college at the University of Wisconsin. So I feel like my story kind of started when I went to college because I learned uh, to bartend. I worked as a bartender at a hotel bar when I was in college. And that's kind of how I paid for my books, my tuition, my beer (laughs) and uh, (laughs) cheese. And then um, I graduated college in 2013. And a few days after I graduated, I packed my car and moved to Nashville. Really? What brought you to Nashville? I I don't, it's really hard to say. I did an internship uh, my junior summer of college and it just so happened to be in Nashville and it was at a nonprofit um, in actually right up the road from where I live now in Nolensville. And um, I worked at the nonprofit, but obviously I was an unpaid intern. So I also worked at a bar down on Broadway to make money. And I just, I don't know, I fell in love with the city in that three-month internship. I just loved all the people I met. I loved the city itself. And it it just, Nashville had this um, energy about it. Like, that was in 2013, so that was three years after the flood. Nashville was starting to become a little bit more uh, popular. And I just, I had this feeling that things were happening in Nashville, and I felt very drawn to it. So I went back, finished my last semester of college and then moved back. I didn't really know anyone. I didn't really have a job lined up. I worked (laughs) back at that bar for a few months until I found like a real job. Um, I just, something was telling me to go to Nashville. So I listened. Nice. (laughs) Um, and what kind of work did you do, um, before fancy sips? What, what was your kind of career after you got back to Nashville? What did that look like? Um, I worked in sales, so I, uh, my first real job was in IT sales. Um, I sold contracts for IT equipment. It was super boring, um, but the first week I was there, I met my now husband, so it worked out well, uh. and it was, um, I worked there for uh, less than a year. I did some sales, and then I moved on to health insurance sales. And I did that for a while. And that's sort of where I got the taste of being self-employed because that was a 1099 uh, sales agent position. And then shortly after that, I started my own business in 2016, I believe. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And but that was not fancy sips. No, no, no. no, I've had a few businesses. It uh, I've done candles. I had a candle business. I had a hot chocolate bar business. And now fancy sips. Nice. Yeah. Uh, most of the people that I've talked to kind of had a transition from how hey, I was war. I was working a regular job here, and then I stepped out to become a realtor, or I stepped out to have you know this business that I built. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've had multiple 
things that have kind of given you an entrepreneurial spirit, correct? You've mm-hmm. had multiple opportunities to try and flex those muscles. And this is now, do you feel like this is probably the best one that you've had so far with all those? Uh, yes, I would say it's the most successful one. I would say it's the one I've had the most fun working on, but I don't regret the other ones by any means because they were where I needed to be at the time. So when I started the candle business, um, that was the very first thing I did. I liked candles. I thought it would be fun to make them. And so I decided to start my own candle business. And so I learned how to design a website, how to design a logo, um, how to make the candles themselves, how to create packaging for the candles, how to contact uh, people who uh, set up festivals and markets so that I could sell my candles at local markets. And uh, I knew none of that beforehand. I didn't know how to design a website. The first week I was designing the website, I was so frustrated. And I remember telling um, my now husband, like, I I need to hire a website designer. There's no way I can do this. And he kind of encouraged me to just stick with it. Now I love designing websites. I offer to do it for my friends for free because I really love doing it. So I think at that stage, I just needed to get my feet wet into doing everything yourself. And um, I really loved the beginning stages of those businesses, even though they're not here today they were a really fun way to kind of train and learn all of the aspects of being a small business owner. Gotcha. So that informed a lot of the decisions that you've got for your current business. That, that's yeah. kind of given you a sort of forging a path before you got to this. Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Um, and so that was, you know, went through the history of how you got there. Was there a specific reason or I guess, why did you want to be your own boss? Um, You know, I don't even know if it was really about being my own boss. That really has never been my North Star. Um, If there was a position open today where I could do things that I loved working for someone else, like I wouldn't be opposed to it. I really just loved making things. And so I wanted to make my own things. And the best way to do that for me just so happened to be to create my own business. I love the sport of entrepreneurship and I love everything that goes into it. I love people who are really good at it. And I love, um, the, the whole ecosystem behind it, the the community that's involved, especially in Nashville, Nashville's entrepreneurs are so well connected and so supportive of one another and shop local is such a recurring theme in Nashville. So, um, it just happened to be a good city to start that in. But, uh, the, the idea of being my own boss wasn't really what guided me into this. It was more so like I wanted to make something and I wanted to try and build something. And I just decided to dive into it and do it. Nice. Okay. Um, and I think this, this next question can go to multiple spots in, in the businesses that you were talking about, because a lot of people try and figure out when they can make a transition of some people make a full jump. They're Mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm doing this, you know, no plan B let's go. Some people will work uh, that I've talked to have worked their quote, you know, day job or regular jobs until Mm -hmm. their side business or their something that they were building becomes profitable enough to where they can make money or they can jump into it full time. Mm -hmm. Let's start with fancy sips and then we can kind of work back because that it's not the first time that you've been your own boss. So Mm -hmm. what, when did you know you could do fancy sips full time? Um, I actually started out doing fancy sips full time. So I worked as a health insurance agent up until about halfway through my candle business. So the candle business lived about three years uh, and about a year and a half into it, I went all in. 
Um, at the time I decided to go all in so that I could give my entire focus to the small business because splitting my focus between being a sales agent and doing health insurance and doing the candle business, not just making the candles, but also doing, handling all the shipping, the wholesale orders, the customer service, the social media, like it was just so much. Um, and so I went all in about a year and a half into the business, um, and then the candle business, I've been full-time ever since I started. Um, I will say, at, at like to be honest with people, I don't know if I could have gone full in if I was just a single person working on my small business. I was uniquely um, fortunate because my husband had his own business that he was running and um, he encouraged me to dive full into the business, even if I wasn't able to bring in money. So if I was a single person at the time, I don't know if I would have done it as early as I did, because truthfully, the business was not making money at that time. So I was giving my full energy, but it wasn't exactly giving me a 40 hour week salary or anything. So I probably would have had to wait longer if I didn't have a household that had income coming in. Gotcha. Um, and that's a that's one of the questions that we'll definitely get to is the support. Before we get mm -hmm. there, um, did you have certain goals for your first year in business? Sometimes I talk to people and they've got, mm -hmm. man, they're ready to go. They're trying to hit a certain number. And then a good chunk of people that I talk to are just saying, no, I just wanted to make sure that I broke even or mm -hmm. could pull in a paycheck. Like what were your goals that first year for Fancy Sips? Yeah. Well, so one thing I do want to mention is that the candle business, because that's mostly what we've been talking about, that one closed at the beginning of 2019. So I had been selling candles for a few years. Um, at a certain point, I realized that one, it just didn't really make me happy anymore to work on the business. Every time an order came in through my e-commerce store, I felt this sense of dread that I was going to have to make it and pack it. And anytime you were in that situation, you should see that as a red flag. So, um, and, and two, it was at a point where it was three years in and it wasn't producing income for my family. And um, I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. So I made, uh, it was actually a very easy decision to close that business. Uh, I thought it it would be really hard, but it was one of the happiest days of the year to realize that I just needed to step away. It's kind of like if you've ever been in a relationship that went on too long and realized that you should have got out a while ago, that's how it felt. Um, <laughs> gotcha. But then I started Fancy Sips and it was sort of this uh, breath of fresh air to be able to do something that I was really passionate about. So uh, Fancy Sips started technically in January 2019. And it started out not as a creative cocktail studio, but as a mobile bar. So I would go to private parties and events all over Nashville and take my little mobile bar and serve um, sort of a build your own cocktail setup. So people would get to design their own margaritas or design their own mojitos. Uh, so it, it had a DIY cocktail concept, but I was the one making the drinks and handing them to people. And then in March of 2019, so two months later, a local business asked us to come in and teach a mixology class, teach people how to make the drinks. Uh, so we did. And it was one of those days that just kind of changed the course of the business because I realized that it was 10 times more fulfilling to teach someone how to make a drink than to just make a drink and hand it to them and uh, to give them the gift of mixology so that they could go home and actually recreate it instead of just talk about an awesome cocktail they had in an event. So from that point on, March 2019 on, we only did mixology classes. And um, it was definitely the right move. Um, in the first year, I really didn't 
have many goals. I did want it to be able to uh, add staff. I wanted it to be more than just myself. I wanted to have a team of people who could also teach the classes. Uh, I did want to grow the number of classes that we offered in the beginning. There were only three. I think we did mojitos, margaritas, and um, maybe daiquiris one other cocktail, uh, but now we have a list of 40 other classes that we teach. So Ooh. the menu has grown. Um, luckily, the staff has grown. There are now uh, a couple girls on the staff who can teach the classes, and we're adding more support staff on the back end for photography and hopefully soon uh, social media. <laughs> um, and um, I'd say the goal really was just to survive in year one. It was just to, to make something that worked because after owning a business that quote unquote didn't work, even though it was a great lesson, it just, it wasn't a success. I wanted something that, um, that could work. I think it's interesting that you kind of had an allowance to let the, the business sort of evolve. Like there was, there was not always this rigid, mm -mm. this is the only path I'm going to take with this business if something kind of knocked you off course or if something sort of introduced itself, that was more of a blending it in rather than rejecting or trying to resist that. I mean, you mm -hmm. basically had uh, a few years where you were running with um, your candle business and doing everything yourself. I imagine eventually you're just like, I got to have somebody help me out here. Yeah. I mean, whether it's the website, whether it's even just shipping orders, yeah. you kind of don't want to do everything yourself. So was that part of why you wanted to have staff and everything with Fancy Sips is that you wanted to sort of have a little bit more spread out and not have everything fall on you? Yeah. And I think at a certain point, it's good for an entrepreneur to know how to do everything. And one thing that didn't feel like a blessing at the time, but looking back definitely was, was that we were flat broke when I owned the candle business. I, it was just, it's, uh, we were as broke as you could be. And so I couldn't even imagine hiring people to do the tasks that I wanted to outsource. So I had to learn how to do everything. And at the time it felt really stressful, but now I'm so grateful because now I understand website design. I understand and love graphic design and packaging design and all of these aspects of the business that are so important that I might not know anything about now. So now I can do things if I need to or want to do them, but I also have learned the things and the aspects of the business that I like more than others. And so if there's something that I don't particularly enjoy doing, but I understand is valuable for the business, I know how to hire someone who's good for the position because I know what to check for and what, what I want out of the business. I'm not just saying I need, um, you know, uh, a website that does something. I know how to, to describe the fact that I need a, a click funnel or I need specific calls to action, things like that. So, um, I, I have always had a value on building a team because it can't just be the Sam show one day, you know, it, um, the business needs to have people who are smarter than me at certain aspects for it to be able to scale. And surviving the first year was great, but now I'm really excited to be able to have people on the team who know more about certain aspects of the business than I do so that it can take the next step. Nice. Um, and then let's, let's talk about the support. I want to get back to some evolution here in a little bit with more of the current events going on, but, uh, what kind of, you, you talk about the support, you talk about uh, your husband, what kind of support did you have in the beginning, not just in your household, but like mm -hmm. friends, family, what did that look like? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, to be honest, uh, my family was not super supportive. <laughs> they did not think it was a good idea. Um, they weren't wrong. I mean, when I had the candle business, like it, it ended up not being a successful business. And I think they might have seen that from the beginning. But um, they're very supportive of what I do now. That's good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did have friends who would help me with um, feedback. I think that was the most important thing because I didn't necessarily have a ton of friends who own their own businesses. So I couldn't really at that time reach out to other small business owners in my circle. But what my friends and family did give me was a ton of feedback. And I've always been um, a champion of collecting as much feedback as you can and not all positive. I don't want everyone to tell me that everything's great. I really value honest feedback and no one will give that better than your close friends. So um, like when I was doing candles, I would send out, uh, boxes of samples to all my friends and give them surveys and ask them to, uh, give feedback, give anonymous feedback on what they liked, what they didn't like so that I could create a product line that was universally appealing. And with cocktails, when Fancy Sips launched, we had a little launch party at my house where we invited friends and family over and they would test out, uh, cocktails and fill out surveys. So I think, even if you, the people in your immediate circle don't understand the business aspect or exactly what you're working on, the best thing they can give you is feedback. And it, it is, I think, um, somewhat awkward to start asking for it. But once you do, it really snowballs and you, you can get some really valuable information from the people who know you best. I think that's really good advice, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, there are, there are certain times I know a lot of people that when they start, when they started a business or when they kind of ventured out, it was a very close circle of people that were supporting them. There was mm -hmm. a spouse, there was some friends, but a lot of people were, yeah, I don't know if you should do that. Yeah. Or, yeah, I hope that works. You know, they're kind of fingers crossed, but yeah. um, it's good that you had friends to kind of bounce those things off of because I think that a lot of times you sort of miss that. You're like, oh, they're not in a business. They don't know this. I shouldn't ask them that or I shouldn't yeah. burden them with something like that. Yeah. So that's really cool that you were able to, to have that feedback from them. Yeah. And like, a, you know, a close friend, I might not ask. Um, oh, uh, OK. Say with fancy sips, I might not ask them about the liability insurance aspects or the um, uh, the particular. uh I don't know, font size that I should use or something like that. But what I might do is send them demos of my website or send them uh, cocktail recipes and ask them to try them. And so anything that your friends can do to give feedback is great. And like if you say um, you're a realtor and your uh, friends aren't realtors, but you need help, you can send them a example questionnaire or something that you would send a potential client and say, what's the first thing that you want to do when you read this? Or, you know, what does this make sense? Is this clear to you? If you're a family of four looking for a home in Nashville, do you feel like you are getting all the information you need from this flyer? Or do you have any questions after reading this? And you can get so much valuable feedback from that. A lot of beta testing. Basically. A lot of beta testing. <laughs> all business is beta testing until it's not. Of course. <laughs> um, in, in the beginning, everybody's got fears when they try and do something like this. Mm -hmm. What kind of fears did you have in this business as well as mm -hmm. any of the other ones that you've been a part of? Um, I think with Fancy Sips, my biggest fear was and still is that it would be a flop like the candle business was. Not to say that I wasn't grateful for the candle business, but it... I think in the beginning, I was always scared that it was, an, uh, we say in my house all the time, 
or I say it like, oh God, I hope it's not another wax pops when something goes wrong. Um, and I'm thankful that it's not, uh, and they're very different, but I think the fear of building a business that's quote unquote a flop or a failure is always something that's like deep down a fear of mine. Um, and also just creating something that people aren't connecting with because that's really the goal is to create something that people can connect with and enjoy and want to share. And so you see pretty quickly if what you're creating isn't hitting those marks. Um, but once you push through that, you can actually create something great and you can't always be scared about people not liking something. Like sometimes I'll make a class, a cocktail class and, um, no one will buy it. I created uh, a mint julep class last year and no one, we had, uh, I think 24 seats to that class and nobody bought a single ticket. And it was like a huge anomaly because some of our other ones completely sold out. So, um, you can't let the fear of people not connecting with what you're doing, stop you from innovating and creating new products because the next one might be a success. Even if you create one dud, it's sort of like a, um, lost the battle, win the war concept. You know, you yeah. might lose a couple battles, but as long as you keep pushing through, you'll win the war. Gotcha. Oh, that's really good advice, actually. Um, what is an example of a hurdle early on that you had to overcome specifically with fancy sips? What was something that you really had to figure out how to get over an obstacle or a hurdle? I don't know if it was early, but it was right at the one-year anniversary. Um, so Fancy Sip started March 2019, and then March 2020, COVID hit. So <laughs> yeah. that was certainly a hurdle because up until that point, Fancy Sips had only offered in-person mixology classes. So we would go around to um, private parties, bachelorette events, Airbnb, or bachelorette parties at Airbnbs, uh, corporate events, neighborhood gatherings, things like that, and bring all of the tools and recipe cards and ingredients and teach people how to make mixology classes. And we had a lot of big events on the books from March, April, and May. And we had just started to gain traction. It was our one-year mark. People were learning about us. People were recommending us to their friends. And then it just stopped. And, and not only did the income stop as far as new bookings, but we started to have to issue refunds because people who had already paid in full for their events had canceled. And so at that, I know, hit the events industry really, really hard because all the refunds, yeah. it's just no one expects that. You know, it, it, maybe a business might have one or two refunds come up every once in a while from someone who just has life changes. But when every single one of your clients needs one it's just very hard and that was actually the first refund i'd ever issued was during COVID. so oh, wow it was um it's kind it, of an endorsement for you <laughs> it was a slight endorsement but it was also really hectic because i had to figure out how to do it i had no idea how to do it so i had to contact my quickbooks rep and deal with all the logistics of issuing money back to someone um but uh it i kind of wallowed for a day or two in the fact that I wasn't going to be booking any more events anytime soon. And then my brain went into sort of survival mode and I thought, okay, where do I go from here? Because I, I can't see a future the way that I was doing things before. So what do I need to do to pivot? And I, um, I keep a list of goals for the year in, um, an app I use. And so I 
pulled up my list and I saw that one of my goals for the year was to create online mixology classes. And that I thought was going to be a little bit further down the road. So I decided to just speed up the timeline. And that was March. I think it was March 14th. Um, I decided to record a mixology class for St. Patrick's Day because I had already created all the content for a St. Patrick's Day cocktail class. And I was supposed to do it with a local business, but obviously it got canceled. So I decided to just set up my iPhone in my kitchen and record the same content that I was going to do at the local business and to just offer a virtual mixology class just to see like how people responded to it and to sort of give people something because at that point everyone was freaking out about COVID and it was just St. Patrick's Day. Everything was getting canceled. So it was sort of something that I could do to share in the celebration because everything else just felt so weird. Um, so I did, I recorded the class. Um, I had to learn and research online course software and which one was best because this, the website host that I was using was not equipped to host online courses. So I, I spent basically two full days just hunched over learning as much as I could about the software and how the technology works. And then I just did it. I created a website with it. I uh, uploaded the videos from the course and I just let my, um, my customers know that that was something that I was doing. And luckily they responded really well to that. So I started to take all of the other courses that I had built the content for and record those. So slowly I've been adding more courses in. I think we have 11 or 12 virtual courses on the website now. Um, and so my goal was to take the experience that people used to get in person and offer that online. And I think it's been, um, a unique time where that can succeed because maybe a year ago it would have been fine, but it's just right now, everyone's sort of looking for a way to connect with each other and a sense of normalcy when we're in the midst of COVID-19. Um, so the timing was unusual. It was, um, it was definitely a hurdle when the business just completely stopped. And it was also a huge blessing because the online classes have been um, better than the in-person classes ever were. Actually, this past week um, on Monday, Fancy Sips hit its highest day of bookings and sales in one single day in the business's entire lifetime. And then the next day, we came close to hitting it again. So it's wow. it's been... Um, it, what was a hurdle was a huge blessing. Wow. Well done. And that's, that's part of the evolution that I was talking about earlier is that even if something like, I mean, geez, a global pandemic, which nobody was really expecting or, no. or worried about with their business. No. Um, even when something like that comes along, you still have the ability to try and change something about your business to still make it viable, still make yeah. it work. Like that's, I think that's huge. Um, so that is, that's a heck of a hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> Normally when I'm asking people, they'll say like, oh, well, I had kids and I had to get them to school. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's an extreme one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I, the entire business has been full of hurdles. Um, but, um, I think that's part of the fun. I, I, I wouldn't have wanted everything to go the way that I thought it would. I, I don't think that's very fun. I don't think you, um, you learn how to stretch and grow from that. So the hurdles are, they're fun. They're, they're part of it for they're sure. They're part of it. <laughs> So when you, when you start your business, when you start going through these things, you probably had to figure out certain strengths and certain weaknesses. 
Um, give me an example of some a strength or some strengths that you feel like you have had in your businesses and in Fancy Sips specifically. Yeah. Um, I... One, I think one strength is that I love um, opportunity and pivoting. So like um, with COVID, um, I, I really welcome changes because I like to adapt the business to fit a current climate. Um, Fancy Sips actually started because of uh, another hurdle there. When I owned the candle business, I was supposed to sell my candles at a Christmas market and it was going to snow. So I decided to set up a build your own hot cocoa bar and it was a huge hit. And so that was another example of a time where something went wrong and I just got to adapt and it ended up being a really good thing because a cocoa business was really fun to run for a small period of time. Um, but I think the adaptability has been really lucky for me. Um, I also love to make things and I think, um, creativity is one of my strong suits. So, uh, that has really paid off in so many aspects, just with the the designing of the businesses, designing of the products. It's just come easily to me, more easily than other parts of it. Nice. And of course, with strengths, you've got weaknesses too. Give me yeah. an example of a weakness that you felt like you discovered because of the business and you and how you dealt with that. Yeah, um, def- there's a long list there. I, the first one that comes to mind is focus. Um, I have had a lack of focus in the past and I get so excited and I want to try so many different things that sometimes I can lose focus of what's really important. So if I had any advice for an entrepreneur that was like me, who was really excited and wanted to try a bunch of things, would be to pick one thing that you are crazy passionate about and focus on that. Because anytime where I was splitting my focus between three different things instead of just one thing, it went badly. Um, So choosing one thing to focus on has always served me well. And I struggle with that all the time. Even now, um, the focus has been hard for me. Um, and well, we're indoors and there are no squirrels around. So that way we can, yeah. stay focused on yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I get excited about projects and I want to try a million things. Um, I, I don't feel like one lifetime is enough to try all of the different things that I want to try. I mean, even now there are like seven other businesses in my head that I would love to try. I just know I don't have the time for. So, um, sticking and focusing on one thing, even with fancy sips, even though it's something I absolutely love and I'm very passionate about is, is really difficult for me. I can understand. Um, especially if you've got uh, that many other businesses that you're, you're thinking about. I can't, but I, um, <laughs> or at least that you have the potential to kind of yeah. snowball into something. Cause do you find that there are times if you start to focus on a little something, even if you're just like, Oh, this is just a little project. Uh-huh. Does it start to snowball? And you're like, Oh, oh yeah. now I've got to have a weekend to do this or I've got to have a week to do this or uh-huh. whatever. I get so carried away. Yeah. It's a, it's a real problem. Um, I get very excited about a project. I will get lost in something and just be focused on that. Um, and sometimes it's a good thing. Some, sometimes it pays off, but if I'm pulling my focus away from the thing or the project that I should be paying attention to and working on, that's a problem. So I've gotten better about catching myself when I do that now. But I mean, even this weekend, I started to get lost in a project that I maybe shouldn't have. Maybe I should have focused more <laughs> on what I'm doing. Cause now my to-do list is a million things long this week. So it happens. It does happen. Um, 
what are I know that you're you're a pretty big reader. What are some books that you would recommend for people that are interested in either starting their own business, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of of kind of the industry? Just mm-hmm. what would you suggest that they check out? I mean, it doesn't have to be just one book, but what are some that you would you would recommend to people? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my all time favorite books that I think every entrepreneur should read is a book called Contagious, and it's by Jonah Berger. Um, and it is a book about why things catch on and why they go viral. So I believe he's a marketing professor. I don't remember which university he teaches at. Oh, at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, but it's all about why certain trends and certain products go viral. So, you know, like why Livestrong bracelets took off or why Movember really took off and, um, the psychology behind all of that. And so, I find that book really interesting. I've read it a couple times now, and every time I read it, I get new insights or new nuggets that I can use for my business. So um, if you've got a product or a service that um, you want to understand better or you want to understand sort of why people react the way that they do to products and services, it's a great book to read. Like I, one of the things he talks a lot about in that book is um, word of mouth and why we talk about certain things and why we, we make decisions uh, to buy certain things. And um, he talks a lot about, you know, why you refer certain products or services to other people. And I found myself doing it now. I just bought a pair of slippers the other day and I told two of my friends about the slippers that I bought immediately afterwards and I, I caught myself like oh this is why I'm doing it because I it's a uh, something that I want to share with them so if you want to understand the psychology of why people buy things that's a great book um, another book that I read this year I think it just came out last year is that will never work and it's by the founder of Netflix Mark Randolph it was a really easy read I really enjoyed it it talks about how Netflix Uh, was born in the 90s and all the obstacles it overcame to get here. And Netflix kind of has a story that I resonate with because it started out as being something so different than what it is now. Yeah, So um, they were a great example of being really adaptable and changing the business model to fit what works now. And obviously Netflix is a very successful business. Um, And he also talks about his exit from the company too, which I think is interesting because you don't hear about that enough. No, agreed. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then what I'm reading right now, I just got a few days ago, but I'm almost done with it. It's called Zero to One, um, and it's by Peter Thiel, one of the PayPal mafia. Um, It's all about um, how to create the next big business and what uh, tech entrepreneurs tend to have in common. Um, It's just, it's a really good insight to uh, the mistakes that PayPal made and also the things that went really well for them and how founders can relate to their staff and their customers in a really healthy way. So I've, I've had a great time reading that book. I've already recommended it to a few people. Nice. Those are, those are three very good ones. I'll probably check those out. So yeah, contagious <laughs> is so good. Like yeah. Anyone will enjoy contagious. Get, uh, get down to McKay's. Uh, yeah. so that way you can get some books. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the last question that I always ask people is what advice do you have for those that are interested in starting a business or trying to create something like that? What, mm-hmm. would, you, what would you tell them? 
I would say be flexible and be willing to accept the fact that your idea might not be the best one and that you really have to listen to your customers and uh, people around you. I've even had plenty of ideas that I thought were great. And then once I got them in front of people, I realized that they needed to change or there was something better out there. So um, be willing to let your ego down and to accept the fact that other people might not or might know more than you. And um, it's okay to change things down the road. Um, I would also encourage people to focus on one thing that they're passionate about. And if you feel like you're losing passion in something to be real with yourself about why you may be losing that passion. Is it because you've just, you don't believe in the business anymore anymore, or is it because, um, you're self-conscious about it or is it something bigger than that? And if it's, um, if it's any of those things, then maybe you're working on the wrong thing. And one, I have now a lot of friends that own small businesses. And so we all kind of, uh, communicate about what's going right with our businesses, what's going wrong, and just how we feel about being small business owners. And something I've seen a few times is people sticking with a business that it's clear that they've fallen out of love with. And I think that that can be a really dangerous thing because if you have a lot, everyone has something that they can be passionate about. And if you're wasting it on the wrong thing, then you're missing the right thing that could be out there. So it's okay if you have failed businesses and it's okay if something that you tried didn't work, as long as you keep on pushing through, you will find the thing that just gets you out of bed immediately in the morning that you can't wait to work on. Yeah. Consistency and persistence would be something that I, I have picked up from, yeah. <laughs> from this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even if it, you know, there's a lot of trial and error that goes into plenty of businesses. And I feel like even if you have, some people may go out there, try one thing, yeah, fail at that and think I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not somebody who needs to own a business. And that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Most likely they're, that's just not it. Maybe the idea wasn't quite ripe yet or mm. they didn't market it a certain way or they just didn't have the right push behind it. Mean, it could be a ton of things, but yeah. the idea that just because you've tried to do something and it didn't work out perfectly or didn't work out like you thought it would yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you're a terrible business you know, mm-hmm. owner or that you just shouldn't try. Uh, I think that that's a lot of what I, I hear from people is just, you have to try. Yeah. You have to take the shots. You have to, you have to be okay with, Hey, this may not go perfectly, but I've got to take this shot. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of, of what I've, what I've heard from you. So yeah. And being really receptive to people's feedback and, um, trusting that they might know more than you. Um, and if someone doesn't like something and they tell you that to listen to them and, to pay attention to how people interact with your product or services. And like going back to the, um, the failures, I'm just as grateful for the things that failed as I am for the things that worked. Because if I, if the candle business had worked and that's what I was doing full time, and even if it hadn't been a flop and it was a huge success, I don't think that I would have the great things that I have now and, and get to scratch the creative itch that I get to now. So, um, that I'm very grateful for. Just be thankful for your failures because they get you that much closer to the stuff that you really care about. Yeah, sound advice. Um, so when it comes to reaching fancy sips, booking classes, purchasing classes, getting things set up, how do people find you? Mm-hmm. How do they reach out to you? 
um, go ahead and give a plug for yourself. Yeah. Um, well, fancysips.com is the website. Um, and you can go there to book a pre-recorded mixology class that you can take at home. Or you can book a live private mixology class. Those have been crazy popular um, this month. I think people are just craving some connection right now because we're all just so distant. So um, that's a really fun way to hop on a video call, a Zoom call with your friends and family and learn how to make some cocktails. Um, and you can follow on social media. Our social media handle is uh, Fancy Sips on Instagram and Facebook. So you can get some cocktail recipes, some drink inspiration, and just um, behind the scenes info on social media. I think everybody could use a drink these days for yeah. this, this COVID-19 stuff. We so. all could. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah. uh, thank you for being here, and we appreciate it. Hopefully, we get some more people your yeah. way, and good luck with Fancy Sips. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.